Hey, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual, Eastern Pennsylvania. Today is Wednesday, and my kids are back in school. So it's a it's a joyful day in um, southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's um, there's parent morning happy hours going on all over the county today. But uh, I, I'm just here talking to my good friend Steve Parisi about life insurance and sales and prospects and clients. And that's what we like to do. Yeah. We have fun with it. Yeah. We enjoy it. Hopefully the people listening also have fun with it. <laughs> Cheers. Um, so today we want to talk about something that I know a lot of people struggle with. I know that I have struggled with this uh, in a big way in the past, not in the past, uh, ongoing. Um, and that is um, how to effectively work with clients or prospects who um, really take up a lot of your time. Yeah. Uh, Steve and his team have a fantastic process for um, how they deal with any kind of client or prospect um, as far as like how to, how to most effectively get their message out and how to answer questions. But it's really hard to do if you're on your own, you're trying to bring in new clients, you're trying to meet new people. And everybody's had that situation where you get that really, really detailed, nitpicky, um, endless question type person. Um, and, and you don't know what to do. So Steve, Steve, you and I were just talking about a scenario where, you know, you get the you know, the, the endlessly long email from a prospect that, um, you know, consists of a ton of questions, very detailed, very specific. And I think somebody like Steve sees that email, reads it, takes it in and takes a couple hours to, to craft a, a really thoughtful and detailed response. A lot of other people start to look through that email and just panic. Don't just can't can't even, you know, digest it all. So how do you know, what are like some words of advice for that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, email communication is important, but a lot of prospects and it could be existing clients prefer to communicate via email. And in our business, our industry, the training is often get the person on the phone or in a meeting to talk through all of these details because they can be complex and it can be difficult to communicate things through email. It can be very time consuming People can read into it the wrong way. There's a million things that go on. Um, but when it comes to email communication, we, we get that. We, we receive emails from a lot of folks that are very, very technical. Engineers, IT professionals, many of which who have been exposed to whole life insurance in the past, and they didn't move forward with it or they got burned with it. They thought it was something based on the sales presentation and they canceled it, whatever happened. Um, so they are considering it, but boy, do they have questions and they want to make sure that it's set up properly. So they're coming in, they're approaching it in a manner where they're already being told don't do it or they had a negative experience in the past. And that's the first thing I'll try and keep in mind. Okay, treat this person how you want to be treated as far as giving them the time, thoroughly answering questions and not doing what I've seen a lot of our peers do which is just throw their arms up, oh, this long-winded email, like just you know, look at some other stuff I have or I'm not going to put the time into this. Like you can't do that kind of stuff. Would you like it if someone did that to you? Didn't want to give you the time of day because you have a long email or you're putting in a smaller amount of money, whatever it might be. Um, so first, 
I'll just try and give it the consideration, what if it was me? And let's approach this thoroughly and not just brush over it. Um, any questions on that part? No, go ahead, keep talking. Okay, so when the email comes in, like we'll, we do a lot of training on this as far as how to properly answer someone's question. So I'll give you a story. Um, larger case, someone had reached out. He was just over the age of 50. He, technical guy, right? I don't know if he was an engineer. I think he had an engineering background. His wife had a math, math background. Um, she had started a software company or a CEO at a software company that works with banks and financial institutions. So you can imagine extremely technical numbers people going to be focused on every detail and asking me questions like, how are the uh, expenses broken down on base premium dollars, PUA dollars, term riders, right? Specific stuff. And he sends me an email, a Word document included that had, I think it was 10 or 12 questions. It might have been more, but very specific questions. And I looked at it. And I'm like, all right, this is going to take me a couple hours to, to provide responses to this. And that's me knowing the product and the, the different companies inside and out. Not that it's going to take me a couple answers to type it for myself, but in a way that the other person will understand it. So what I did was took the time, went through each question, answer questions in, um, with a written reply. So typed out the responses, then also leveraged video content we have. This video also provides and additional information to your question here. Sometimes I'll, I'll create a personal recording. I don't think I did for that case, but a recent case I did when questions come through, I'm having a hard time typing this out. So I'll create a personal recording where I'm going through their illustration or something like that, adding talking points to it that they've got questions on, or I know they're going to have questions on just based on experience. And I'll really put a lot of time upfront to that response. This way, when I send it to them, they can review it on their own time, which they want to do because they already put an hour or a lot more time into preparing that response for me or the, the initial um, email in the Word document. So this way, when I send it back, the majority of their questions are answered. And what happens every single time is when we get on that call, it's so much more productive and we're about 80% of the way through and we're, we're discussing next steps by the end of that first call. So I... I I think that you guys were um, so smart early on that, you know, pre-pandemic, which obviously after the pandemic, a lot of the stuff has changed, but you guys embraced technology, you embraced Zoom, um, because can you imagine what your, you and your sales force, what that process would have been like if you were so focused on the old school mentality of like, you've got to be face to face because I can remember, um, you know, I had a, a prospect who was a friend of mine who I connected with one of the agents in our office. And this guy went through four different meetings, always on a Thursday or a Friday, early evening, end of the week. It was like in about an hour drive from our office to the prospect's house. And then each meeting was over two hours. And it was always like one of those, each meeting spawned another 30 questions that the, got my, the prospect would reply with. And it was just like this endless drudgery of dry, you know, just like, it just feels like a massive and complete waste of time. 
at a minimum, your process means that, you know, it's not all that travel time. A lot of this doesn't have to be done face to face. And that's great that you guys embrace that so early on. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that story you just mentioned, because that happens to so many people. And I've seen that firsthand when I was first in the business, there'd be several meetings, four or five that sometimes lasted an hour. If it was with a technical client, it would be two hours, right? Two hours per pop per meeting. And sometimes you travel to meet the client. Sometimes they travel to you, but there's a lot of back and forth and more questions would pop up particularly from engineers, technical individuals that want to know the details. And where I noticed the most friction occurred is you've got someone who's trained very, very well in sales, which is how to sell the product. How to close. Correct. Yeah. And that will not always work on that type of engineer, that that mentality, because they don't want to be sold. They just want the information. They'll make a decision for themselves. Amazon, right? Just get the information, you click the button to buy. So if I'm giving you salesy answers that do not really get to the heart of your question, which happens all the time, if I'm doing that and you're an engineer, you're not going to be satisfied until you get the actual answers. You're going to keep asking me more and more questions to get more information so you can try and piece it together yourself. So what we'll try and do on our end is provide a thorough answer and even anticipate that they're going to ask more questions if I had a call with them and I kind of get that vibe, um, put together additional information. Hey, by the way, you'll also want to know this. Um, example, technical detail, but it saved us so much time. PUA rider fees that can be extremely confusing, right? If you look at any company, take mass. You've got three different rates right now. You've got Ailer on two of their products at 7.5% for PUA fees, then Lister at 8%, and then on all products with a guaranteed rate of 3, um, 3% or higher, you've got a um, 10% Ailer and Lister fee. <laughs> right? That's confusing enough. Now, when you start to look at the details of it, like how do these PUA fees work? On paper, it says I've got a 10% Ailer charge here. I don't want to pay 10% here for this PUA rider. Well, it's 10% on paper. However, when we actually break the PUA rider fee down, comes out to about 3% in the first year. By the second year, it's a wash or you're slightly positive. And then here's the compounding net each year, meaning after the fees are assessed, then all interest is credited. This specific year, what you'll see the day you pay it in at the end of the policy year, here's exactly how it will work. And then we do that for the guaranteed rate and non-guaranteed rate and and non-guaranteed value so they can see everything very technical. Right? And that can be so difficult. I used to spend hours upon hours on phone calls trying to answer those questions. And it was difficult. So we created video content. We don't have that public. We send that to people we work with. Yeah. Um, but th- it answers their questions and it solves the problem. Like we don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, so well, I think it's, you know, I, that the video content that you created um, I, I think it's huge for you guys as far as a time saver. That's why we did it. Answering questions in very specific areas. Yeah. I think for um, less experienced people who struggle with this a lot, you you definitely have to get into a routine of capturing those answers in whatever fashion is most comfortable for you so that it doesn't feel like a total waste of time. Because if I'm, endlessly answering somebody's questions over a 30, 45 day period, at least I can feel like, you know, 
I'm sharpening my teeth. I'm picking up more knowledge. And if I can capture those answers, I know that I can use them again. I mean, I can think in, in a much more uh, basic and rudimentary way. I can remember when I first started working with Mass Mutual, there were certain things that would come up that I was like, I feel like I'm regularly sending out this email explanation to someone about something specific with the broker contract or something specific about the dividend or whatever the case may be. So I started building out, you know, kind of canned responses to uh, certain things, not video, but email. But it, 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 it made my life so much easier when those questions did come up. It was like, here, boom, you know, just yeah. kind of change a couple of things and send it out. That's nice. Yeah. To have that response there. And then also where we can personally develop is, is figuring out how to answer them, provide the same information, but answer it in different ways for different people, right? As you just learn to effectively communicate. Right. Um, and when you don't win the deal, cause you're not going to win every single but deal. Nobody's teaching you how to do any of that. I feel like for, you know, I, I, I find some of that to be, um, I think I'm like pretty good at reading people and I can tell, yeah, but I, I guess not everyone. Not everyone is. I mean, be self self taught there. Yeah, yeah. So there's two ways to to solve that problem. One is practice through experience and, and having the humility to know when you actually mess up and lose the deal, it was you, not the client. Yeah, think that every single time. Like when I talk to agents, when they point the finger at the client, I'm like, no, it's not the client. Yeah, it was you. Yeah. When I lose one, is it the client or is it me? It's me. <laughs> so I'll use myself as the the chopping block. This way they say, oh, okay. And they listen a bit more. But but my point is we've all gone through it. But you've got to have the humility to to know or recognize when you mess up. But whereas going through experience, that's the first piece. Through experience, just practicing, working with people, understanding when someone says yes, they want to move forward and they they really don't want to move forward or not yet, or if they say, no, I'm not interested, but hey, maybe they still want to see more information, just reading the situation, getting used to working with people, see how they talk, being able to understand the personalities, like that comes through experience, practice. And uh, I'll use myself as the example. I did not have that naturally after thousands of meetings over years when I just would meet with people one-on-one, go through the software, build it out with them, answer their questions. Like I was able to pick a lot of that up. I wasn't doing it on purpose. It just happened. Um, so just experience and talking to people, that's the first way to do it, right? So that that's the long long haul. Um, the other way to do it is partner with someone who's good at it already. If you've got a skill set in another area, maybe it's the technical aspect, maybe it's email communication, maybe it's designing policies, whatever it is, play to your strengths and get someone else who's a very good uh, reader of people or a very good reader of the situation, Um I was talking to, to um, Elizabeth, my my attorney, the other day about that, and she's a fantastic reader of people and just being able to assess a situation and know what people are going to do within two seconds. She's one of the best people I know that it just has that it factor. Um, but when it comes to technical details, numbers and such, she's got an associate who I work with there. His name's Brock, very sharp guy with numbers, can look at that and just pick things apart very, very quickly. That's not her strength. So when they go into a room together, she's like, you focus on this. It's your strength. I'll assess the situation. And as a team, they can really knock everything out nicely. Um, If they don't do that, then she shared some other stuff with me. But my point is play to your strengths and leverage people who are good in, in certain areas. Don't try to be something that you're not. That's where 
often we get frustrated with ourselves speaking from right. experience. Yeah. And it's hard to find. I think it's important to find, but it's hard to find a balance between, um, you know, my time is valuable and I want to bend over backwards and do everything to help a prospect or to get a prospect on board as a client or to help a client with a situation. Um, it's hard to find that line because I'm naturally like a very um, help. Somebody calls me and is looking for help with something. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to figure out how much money I'm going to make on this or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of times in, in my world where people are asking me for help for stuff that was sold 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that didn't benefit me at all. I'll do whatever I can to help them. Um, I also value my time working on my business and value my time that I spend with my family. And, you know, to, I think it's just experience of finding a way to not let that stuff run you ragged. That, yeah, that's probably the hardest thing to do for an individual, especially for a business owner. Because I, I, I know what you mean. Like you always want to help people out, you will. And then when you look at the situation, you spent a lot of time on helping someone, which just my personal opinion, like I'm speaking with my wife, is the right thing to do, right? If you and I are having a conversation, hey, you helped them out, like that's the right thing to do. Right. But then from a business standpoint where I've made mistakes and, and this is something we're correcting in our company now is we'll spend so much time helping certain individuals in certain situations that bought a policy from someone else, make zero on it, and then we struggle as a result. Or I'm not generating any profits. It's like, okay, like we've got to, we have to be smart with our time. Yes, we want to help, but at the same time, it's a business that you have to run. So it's finding that balance, in my opinion, always being willing and able to help, but not being a cutthroat business person either. Right. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah, it's balance. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to continue this conversation, I, I, I will tell you that, uh, you know, I've kind of said this, like I guess, ad nauseum as, as we've talked, but, um, you know, Steve and his team have a great process for um, how they communicate with prospects and how they answer their questions in a really educational way, um, as opposed to like, what I would consider a more, you know, normal or traditional um, sales process for insurance advisors, uh, but also for, for existing clients um, had to really nip a lot of, nip a lot of things in the bud uh, before they even become questions that, that need to be answered. Uh, so if anybody wants to learn more about that, maybe we'll talk about that uh, next time. Steve, for now, have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. You as well. Thanks so much, Mike. Enjoy. Thanks,